0: Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. So let's welcome Pastor Jeff as he starts our new sermon on chains.
1: Thank you, Ellen. Ellen. That's amazing. So I said last service, I'll say it again. I really wish I was as well spoken as Ellen is because she just puts me at ease. Like I want her to come read bedtime stories to me or something. (laughs) She's awesome. She's just awesome. So (laughs) um, anyway, um, I I am really excited about uh, that first announcement that she talked about where, uh, you know, going out and being the church in the community. We're calling it Love Does. We're going to go out and put, you know, make love a verb that day and really love on this community the way that we all just love this community. And uh, and so in, in that, we're looking for um, ideas. If you have a neighbor that could use assistance with a project, if you um, if you know if the, the school where your kid goes to could use assistance with some projects or or whatever else, you, you know. Normally, this Sunday, this today, this Sunday every year is when we have our back to school big give. Um, we're still doing that. Can you all stay? No, I'm just teasing. We're not doing it. Um, so we are uh, instead of that this year, we're doing this uh, love does uh, thing where we're going to just. We're, so I want to make it very clear though. Uh, we are not on September 22nd. We are not dismissing church. We are still having church. We are just having it outside these walls. Amen. And so we are going to show up. We normally, you know, have uh, you know 150 200 people here on a Sunday. I expect 150 200 people to show up and love on this community. We're going to go out and uh, really do that. In fact, uh, normally at our uh, back to school big give, we all, we have a, a medical clinic set up here. We will. <coughs> pardon me we will probably have that set up here that day too. So you can come here and help as well, Um, you know, check people in. And if you have nursing skills, the doctors that'll be here could use your assistance and that sort of thing. So uh, there's all kinds of stuff that we'll be doing. Um, And so I'm really excited about that day. So uh, a couple of kind of housekeeping items, I'm just going to give you an update on where we are. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about Um, you know, kind of looking for a new place to meet and how the school system's changing and how that impacts us. And we have been so blessed to meet here at uh, Tremont for as long as we've been here, what, seven years now or something like that. And um, it's just, a you know, the school system really blesses us in terms of it's very affordable for us and that sort of thing. And we have the last about, what, three years maybe um, our two classrooms uh, that we use, one for kids' church and one for nursery out out back here. they haven't had a teacher in them. They've been our dedicated classrooms where we get to keep our stuff in there all week long and that sort of thing. Well, the school district has uh, is allowing the schools to now hire extra teachers, which is a great thing. We need that. That's a good thing for our community. We're happy about that. And um, yeah, it's, it really is a good thing. Uh, but with that said, they need some extra space. So we uh, now we have, and this news has changed about four times this week and it may change tomorrow. So as of today, the, the plan is is that we are going to continue to use those two classrooms that we have. However, they'll be utilized by the school during the week, which means we can't keep our stuff in those rooms. And so, um, however, uh, Adrienne, uh, who's the principal here, she's a sweet lady, pray for her, and uh, she is uh, going to try to clear, there's two large closets on the stage here, she's going to try to clear one of those closets for us where we can keep all our equipment in this closet, which is going to be really handy getting it up and down and that'll be nice. Uh, But we will have to set up and tear down our classroom space every week and we'll probably keep most of our classroom stuff in uh, our our church truck. And so there's some adjustment going there. And like I said, it could adjust again this week. We don't know. uh, But as of today, that's the plan. Some of you had had come prepared to help us move some stuff around after church. Um, We're not going, because of the change in plans, we're not going to do the big move that we had thought we were going to do. Uh, Instead, we're going to just move a few things. We're going to we're going to try to clear out our nursery and move that stuff over to the classroom across the way. And so that shouldn't take nearly as long. If you want to, um, you know, as we tear down after church today, if you want to help, you know, slide some stuff across the the, uh, courtyard there, that'd be great. Um, But that's where we are. Keep praying. We have a team of people that are actively uh, exploring options of of different locations where we could meet. Pray for them that they, um, you know, have the right ideas and the right conversations with people and that God just leads us to Uh, our new church home because I think it's coming I I really do so that's good so we are starting a new series this morning called chains and I'm excited about it Mm, excuse me by the way I stink I I literally stink I I'm I'm all discombobulated this morning you know when you accidentally leave your shirts in the washer just a little bit too long and you get that (laughs) smell you know like, every time I breathe in, I'm like, oh, I stink. And, uh, and so, anyway, I'm, so my mind's all flustered. But anyway, don't hug me too tight. Um, and so, anyway, this, this new sermon series, I'm really excited about it. We're going to be digging into the eighth chapter of the book of Romans for the next six weeks. And it is powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. And I can't wait to get into it with you because uh, I pr- every section, all six of these sections that we're going to cover are just... I mean, they're just going to blow you away in terms of how freeing they are. That's why, you know, the, the subtitle there is kind of break free from your chains. Um, it is, there's so much freedom in this chapter and I can't wait to uh, just, it's just going to be great. This is such a great series for you guys to uh, invite friends and family to, especially if you know you've got somebody in your life who could use a little freedom, could use a little hope. This is the series for them. So uh, get your friends and family here. It's going to be great. Um, so um, we're going we're gonna to dive in and, and it's going to be good. Um, the book of Romans, I'll say this, that, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans. It was kind of a letter. It was actually not so much a letter as much as a treatise about faith, about the Christian life and about life in general, actually. And I, I love that book so much. I would love to preach through the entire book of Romans, but it would take me like two and a half years. And, and so instead of doing that, I'm just going to, I think this chapter really sums up the book really well. And uh, and so we're going to focus for six weeks on this. But I I would say this about the book of Romans, uh, and I'm not exaggerating this. I believe that uh, the book of Romans is the single greatest document ever written in the history of mankind. I really believe that. I think just in terms of a uh, a philosophical um, paper, you could put it on par with any of the great philosophical thinkers that have ever lived, and I would say above par. It is, in my opinion, the single greatest document ever written by a man. And it is, uh, it is, there's just so much power and so much in terms of explaining how life works and how God uh, works and grace and salvation and everything. It is just, it has that much power. It is great. It stands up. In fact, there are times when you read it and you think... Um, I can't believe this was written 2,000 years ago. It sounds like some, if you if it were ever in college and took a class on philosophy, it, it sounds a lot of times like one of those things that you studied there. It is just, it's its got that much power behind it. And, um, and so I'm excited to dig into it. Now, Paul, uh, one of the things I love about Paul is, is um, he is, um, he's very honest, he's very raw, but he's very deep. I mean, he's extremely deep. In fact, when you read through the book of Romans, there are times you come across stuff that you're like, I have no idea what I just read because it was just, it's just it's, it's too deep. It's so deep. And you've got to go back and kind of reread it slowly and sort it all out. And it is just, it's, it's so deep that way. In fact, uh, the apostle uh, Peter uh, in one of his letters that he wrote, he's to you know to the people that were reading his letter, he said, "I, I understand you've been reading some of uh, Paul's letters along with the other scriptures." In other words, he groups them in with the other scriptures. So that early in the first century, they were already considering Paul's letters scripture on par with scripture. And he says, "I understand you've been reading Paul's letters with the other scriptures," and and he says um, some of some of those things are pretty hard to understand. And basically, he's saying. Uh, I heard you've been reading Paul. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with that because it's deep. That guy is deep. And so we're going to dig into this passage. Now, before we get, go ahead and put that passage up there. Uh, and uh, Romans, there you go. Romans 8. Now, th- right off the bat, there is therefore. Now, if you've been around church here very long, you, you know the rule that whenever we come across the word therefore, we back up and read what was before that so we can find out what the therefore was Therefore, right? Okay, so that's what we're going to do. So instead of starting with Romans 8, we're going to back up to chapter 7. The last part of chapter 7 (coughs) says this, and you're going to identify with this. This is Again, keep in mind as we read this, this was written by one of the so-called superheroes of the faith. I mean, this guy was a massive man of faith. He wrote a good chunk of your Bible. Okay, that's a pretty big deal. Okay, That's that's a really big deal. He wrote a good chunk of your Bible, he started churches all across what they call Asia Minor. He was, uh, you know, he was arrested for his faith. He was beaten for his faith. He was, I mean, you know, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff he went through for his faith. This guy, if there was ever a superhero of the faith, it is the Apostle Paul, and he writes these words. Okay, here you go. He says, "So I find it to be a law." Now I'm going to stop right there. When he says "law," we're not a lot of times in the Bible we talk about law. And that's usually referring back to the Old Testament law. That's not what Paul's talking about right now. Uh, he is saying, uh, the, the, the way he's using the word law in this case is kind of like, I find it to be like a, a general principle. Like, you know, you can, this is pretty much true about life. You know, we kind of say stuff like that. And that's what he's saying right now. So he says, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, But I see in my members, in other words, in my body, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then he says this, it was an exclamation point, Wretched man am I. Wretched man am I. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And the answer, he realizes, thanks be to God, it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, but he goes back to that concept, So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, he's saying I, I kind of I tend to serve the law of sin. I don't know if anybody here identifies with that. I, I identify with that, with, with that a great deal. In other words, like I, I love Jesus. I love. This is what Paul is saying. I I I am. I like the whole faith thing. I love Jesus. I want more than anything to be the kind of man that Jesus has called me to be. I want more than anything to have a life that is marked by personal holiness, that 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 I, I live a life that would be pleasing to God. I want to do the right thing. I don't want to live a sinful life. I know what Jesus Christ has done for me. I don't want to repay that with sin. I want to be the man or the woman that that Christ has called me to be. In my mind, this is what I want. But what ends up happening is that my body has a mind of its own, and I find that as much as I want to do the right thing, I have a tendency to constantly repeat doing the wrong thing. Anybody identify with that? Really? Yeah. Yeah. We do. It is so Frustrating, and Paul, like he, he, you can you can just see him kind of at his wit's end. Wits oh, wretched man am I! Oh, in other words, I I hate myself that I'm this way. I hate this about myself. I hate that I love Jesus as much as I love him. That I want to serve him in the right way as much as I want to serve him in the right way. And I hate that I keep screwing up. I hate that it seems like every time I I, I, I get a you know one step closer to to, to Christ. My, my sinful nature kicks in and takes me two steps further away. I, I hate that about myself. Who I wish so much I could change that. Who can change that? And it's like it hits him. Of course, it's, it's it's Jesus Christ. Of course, it's it's Jesus Christ is the only one. But even still, this is what I know. In my mind, I want to do the right thing. And in my body, I, I just keep screwing up. Anybody ever felt that frustrated in your faith? Like, I know what I'm called to be. I know I know what's expected of me morally. I know all the rules and all the commands in the Bible and things like that. I, I, I want to live up to that. I want to be that kind of person. I want to be that faithful. And I hate that this, this sin just keeps raising its ugly head. I, it is a... It's a very defeating feeling to feel that. Like, I've been a Christian for a lot, a lot of years, right? Like, I, I, I came to Christ when I was five years old. And um, so what's that, 36 years now? 36 years I've been kind of trying to follow Jesus. I, I started preaching when I was 16. In fact, um, I, I think like next week or... I think it's next week. Next week will be 25 years I've been preaching. Now you don't have to clap. don't clap for that. You don't have to clap for that. I'm just now starting to get okay. <laughs> so um, now it's, it's it. I mean, I've I've been doing this kind of service to, to Christ for um, a, the biggest part of my life, and yet as much as I know what how I should be living, as much as I want to live that way. I am personally, on a fairly regular basis, frustrated that I still struggle in some ways with some of the stuff that I've been struggling with my entire life. Don't get me wrong, you know, the, the longer I've been in relationship with Christ, the closer I get to him, the more li- my life reflects that closeness, but but still, occasionally sin rears its ugly head, and I feel like I'm just now starting out, and it is incredibly disappointing it brings me incredible amounts of shame and I just think why 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 am I still struggling with this why now that's the setting for the chapter we're getting ready to dive into now Paul starts off with the best news you're going to hear all week long okay and I mean you're going to want to scream and shout and and clap and amen because this is amazing news I'm not even going to tell you when when it is. You'll know it when it comes, ready? All right, chapter eight. Paul says this, with all that in mind, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's awesome. That's awesome. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, I stink literally today. Yes. I, I, I wish I didn't struggle with my sin and my weakness and everything else that I struggle with the way that I struggle with. But guess what? For those who are in Christ Jesus, we stand in the eyes of God, innocent. We are not condemned. And that's the best news you're going to hear all week long. That is amazing, and the reason it's amazing is because you need it as much as I need it. That news never gets old because we never stop sucking, (laughs) right? That news is fresh every single day. I get to wake up every single day with the knowledge that as worthless as I can be, I am not condemned, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, guys. That when you get a clear grasp of that information, that'll revolutionize your world. All of what Paul said in chapter 7 is true. All of that struggle, that war within us, that everything is true, that how we can't we can't measure up or whatever, it's all true, but the truth that trumps that truth is that we don't stand condemned. We don't stand condemned. God looks at us through the lens of the cross, through the lens of how Christ paid the the price for our sins. And he doesn't see guilt and he doesn't see shame. He declares us innocent. We are not condemned. We are not condemned. Now, with that in mind, um, some of you guys need to notify yourselves about this. Like you believe it up here, You can tell other people the gospel message. You can explain to other people how how Christ has paid, how the salvation is a free gift and we don't have to work for it and all that kind of stuff. But that, as much as you know it and as much as it makes sense to you on paper and all that stuff, and as much as you can convince other people of that message, it still hasn't sunk in into the way that you're actually living your life. And so many of us are actually living our life as if we are our own savior. As if it's completely up to us to save ourselves. As if, you know, yes, I know up here, I know about the grace. I know about, you know, we've been saved by grace through faith and all that kind of stuff. It's a free gift and all of that. But man, I'm worthless. And oh, wretched man am I. Like Paul just said, I'm so wretched. I hate myself. If I could just clean myself up a little more. If I could just do this life a little bit better. If I could just be more of who I know God wants me to be then I would get rid of this guilt and shame. And this is the thing is that those chains of that guilt and shame that you find yourself shackled with, the lock has been turned, the key has been thrown away because you don't need it anymore. You just need to shake those chains off of you because they have no impact. The only impact they have on your life is the impact you give them. The only power they have on your life is the power that you give them. And some of you have been overcome with the mistakes of your, path, your past. Some of you have been overcome with uh, the person that you used to be. You, you find yourself completely identifying with the old you and not with the new changed you. Some of you, it's not even your own mistakes. Some of you have been victimized in some, some pretty uh, horrible ways and all you can think of is the shame that that victimization brings you and you can't shake it. You can't shake it. And there is therefore now no condemnation for you. You just have to realize it. You just have to realize it. Read the rest of this passage with me. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Now, the law gets a bad rep. You know, a lot of times when we when we uh, are talking about you know, the Christian life and reading in the Bible about it, there's a lot of talk about law versus grace. And when we talk about law, we're not talking about you know, our laws today in our society. We're talking about the Old Testament law that, that basically before Jesus came, well, actually, me, can I share with you a little secret? It's kind of Christianity's dirty little secret. Um, the dirty little secret secret of Christianity is like we. There's a lot of talk in church about how Jesus is the only way. In fact, we got a we got a song that we sing one uh, once in a while. One way Jesus, and uh, it's a great song. Um, can I can I tell you the dirty little secret of Christianity? Is this? There's two ways. There's two ways. Um, before you fire me. This <laughs> the other way. The other path is is really simple you can choose to either put your faith in christ and allow jesus to pave the way you know between you and god or you can do the other way and it's so simple you just have to be perfect your entire life <laughs> that's it that's all you got to do that's the standard that's the standard you just have to from the moment you're born to the moment you die never make a mistake ever And if you can do that, you're golden. You're golden. Now, what we know is that we can't do that. We can't do that. So we have to depend on plan B, which is Jesus. Okay? So we have to depend on Christ. So we put our faith in Christ. But some of you, even though you have said you're putting your faith in Christ, you are still trying as hard as you can to make plan A work out, and it's just not going to work for you it's just not going to work for you. The law that this verse talks about, the, that law, for God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. The law is a good thing. God gives us the law for our own benefit. He gives us this moral code and everything else that you find in the Bible. It's a good thing. It's, it's perfect, actually. That, that's what makes it, uh, you know, so hard. Well, in fact, that's why that statement, that's why it's weakened by flesh. The law is great until we interact with it. And when we interact, it, we screw the whole thing up. And we realize, I can't do this. Nobody can do this. This is ridiculous. How am I supposed to be perfect? And God says, I, I, my holiness, I am so holy that in order for you to be in my presence, you have to be perfect. And since none of you can be perfect, then I'll send my perfect son to pay the price for your sin. And that's why we put our faith in Jesus. So the law... For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, not sinful, but in the likeness of sinful flesh. In other words, he came looking just like one of us in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We don't walk by the flesh anymore because we screw up everything when we walk by the flesh. We walk according to the Spirit. And the Spirit's perfect. And the Spirit dwells in us when we start a relationship with Christ. And that's the, that's the good news. That's the good news. Now, I want to back up just a second to that whole condemnation thing because there is therefore now no condemnation. As much as we all try to be perfect and we can't, as much as shame and guilt and everything we feel about that, as much as, as we feel wretched, like Paul said, for and we, we, we hate ourselves for not being able to, to live the life that we so desperately want to live, there's therefore now no condemnation. And you guys have got to step in. We've all got to step in, uh, step out of those chains and shake those chains off and step into a position of of spiritual fulfillment and joy and victory that God has for us. He has a life of victory for you if you'll just shake off those chains. But some of you have gotten comfortable with those chains and you're holding on to them like your like your uh, Mimi and your Lili. <laughs> That's a Myers thing. It's a, a, um, a Isla. When she was little, she had her her pacifier, fire, which was her Mimi, and she had her blanket, which was her Lili, and everywhere we get, we went. We had to do the Mimi and Lili checklist. Do we have the Mimi, do we have the Lili? Okay, we're good to go, and we would leave the house. And some of you have have found comfort in your chains. You find you find that that with those with that baggage. In fact, you kind of lean on that baggage. You lean on those chains because without them, you might actually have to exercise some faith, and you lean into that stuff, and and it hurts you. And the principle I want you to get, put up that next slide. The principle, actually, keep going. Oh, no, right there. All right, you need to quit locking up what God has set free. You need to quit locking up what God God has set you free, and you need to quit locking yourself back up. You need to realize the freedom that you have, that you stand in today if you would just grab hold of it if you would just grab a hold of it. But we get this weird idea that if, if I claim to be who God says that I am, then that means I'm, I don't know, taking advantage of his grace, or I'm cocky, or I'm self-righteous, or I can't let myself, I can't let myself see myself the way God sees me. That can't be right, can it? I want you to watch this video. It really has nothing to do with what I've been talking about, uh, but it's really funny.
0: And (laughs) we're uh,
1: always happy when he pays us a visit. Please welcome back our good friend, Brian Regan.
0: Yeah. Thank you. You guys are very, very nice. I had a nice flight in. Didn't land in the Hudson or anything, but, uh... How about Captain Sullenberger, huh, man? A hero! He's a hero! But he's not allowed to think that he's a hero. That's one of the rules about being a hero. You're not allowed to think you're one. They have to ask you if you think you're one, and you have to say, no, and then everything's good you think you're a hero captain sullenberger no i don't think i'm a hero good he's a hero who don't even think that he's a hero what a hero all's good in the world i think it would be okay to admit it it was kind of obvious Captain Sullenberger, do you think you're a hero? Yes. Did you see the footage of that plane coming in? you have any idea how hard that was? Wings level, nose up, tail down. I'm a hero. Because I saved everybody's life. Yeah. I'm gonna get a cape get my free drinks. I was watching the news that night, and it was amazing. They had the footage of the plane in the water with all the people out on the wings. They go back to the newsroom, and a news anchor said, can you imagine a better ending to this story? (laughs) Um, Landing in Charlotte. With luggage and dry socks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, (laughs) I could have stopped it earlier, but it was just too funny. I wanted to keep playing. So, okay, Um, I love that guy, but I love that he he makes a great point that I'm trying to bring out kind of today. That whole hero thing where you're not allowed to admit it, and some of you are are living as as redeemed. Children of the Most High King of the universe, you are a child of God. You have been redeemed, you have been set free, and you will not let yourself think that, and it is holding back your faith. And I want you to step out of that self-induced bondage now. I mean, you used to be in bondage that was inflicted by our enemy, Satan. And now you're, now it's all self-induced. The chains, the lock's been turned, the chains have been loosed, and you're, you're clamoring for the chains to keep them on because you don't want to think that's who you are. You've become comfortable identifying yourself as your past mistakes. If you've been in counseling with me before, you've you've probably heard me say this, where, where, you know, I have people come to me about talking about mistakes they've made or or things that have been done to them or whatever. And, 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 And one of my things I always say is, don't become this mistake. Don't allow yourself to become this mistake. Instead, allow yourself to be shaped by it. Allow God to turn what you what was a mistake in your life into a victory in your life because because He has an amazing way of doing that. you need to set free what God has already set free. Quit chaining up what God has set free. some of you have been have been um, Uh, you know, you identify with, uh, you know, being victimized in some way, you need to step out of that and leave that in your past. And I'm not, not, I don't mean to minimize that. I know some of you have very serious, deep hurts, and maybe you need someone to help you through those hurts. But whatever it takes, whether whether it's a choice, whether it's a program, whether it's some counseling, whatever it is, you find a way to step out of those chains and quit letting those things define you. That is not who you are that is not who you are. And God can and will do amazing things in your life if you'll just see yourself the way he sees you. If you'll just see yourself the way he sees you. Don't chain up what God has set free. Now, there's a big portion of, the room, of us in the room that that's our problem. We're having trouble identifying ourselves the way, I got, or the way God identifies us there's some of us in the room that have a little bit kind of an opposite problem where it's, you know, maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you've forgotten who you you used to be. You've forgotten that you ever needed to be set free in the first place. In fact, people come in in, in contact with you and they would assume you've been perfect your whole life because you expect that out of of everybody else. And you you can't... people can't even hardly identify with you. It's like you're so holy that you're no good to anybody. Really? And we need to be careful not to, well, I like it, I like to say it this way. There's a, well, let me read this passage first because this is so good. I was talking through this passage with somebody the other day and it just, man, it was so good. So it's one you've all heard. you, you that concept that we've been saved by grace, you know, and it's through faith. And so we get this, we get this idea that I've been saved by grace through faith. In other words, yes, this grace, this salvation is a free gift from God, but it took my faith to receive it. And, and I'm so glad I had the faith to receive that grace. And, and if other people would have the faith that I had, or, or if they would just step up and exercise the kind of faith that I exercise, they could be where I am today, and we start, we, start to, we start to feel like because I had the faith, I was able to come to God. And, and you hear people saying things like, well, I used to be like this, but then I turned my life around. And, 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 and as if, it's it's all done by you. And Paul, I love what Paul says here to the Ephesians. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, and the this is, is going back to the faith, okay? Talking about faith when he says this by grace you've been saved by faith and this is not of your own doing it's the gift of god not a result of work so that no one can boast in other words yes god gave us this free gift of grace this free gift of forgiveness and salvation and and and, and we can live in relationship with him if we would have faith but before your head gets too big about that whole faith thing the faith is also a gift from god like, it, it was a gift from God that you could even exercise the faith it took to receive his grace. I love that. I love that. And the reason I love it is because it's very freeing. None of this is dependent on me, right? We've all been gifted with this grace. We've all been gifted with this faith. If we'll, if we'll just simply exercise it, it's not even, I didn't even do anything. I didn't, I didn't do anything. It's not like I'm somehow super faith and I was able to, uh, you know, you know, whatever. It's like, a lot of times we treat our, our faith, our our Christian journey, like some sort of, you know, video game. If I can just kind of level up, level up, level up, you know, and, 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 and become a little bit more skilled in this thing then I can get closer to Christ. And it's not that way at all, that your ability to even believe in him is a gift from him. It's all a gift from God. There's, a, there's this great old song, and I almost had Rob play it this morning, but um, it's an old Stephen Curse Chapman song from the 80s, and I listened to it this week, and it really sounded like it was from the 80s, so I didn't force that on him. Um, but anyway, it's a, but it's a great song. The lyrics are great, and this is the lyric. Go ahead and put that up there. It says, um, remember your chains, but remember your chains are gone. I love that phrase. It's such a great lyric. It just needs better music. Um, remember your chains, but remember your chains are gone. I think it's actually healthy for us to remember where we came from, but remember, that's not who we are. That's where we came from. Because when you can remember those chains that used to bind you, then you can start lifting up everybody around you. That's one of the things I love so much about, like, it's such a good thing that I'm not God, because if I was God, like, and you guys were my peons, then I would, I don't, or whatever. If 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 you guys, you know, were people and I was God, then I would, like, every time you made a mistake, just knowing my personality, I would probably be, oh, they're gonna pay for that one. Uh, this one's gonna last a while. They're gonna pay for that for a long time, right? But instead, God does this such such a crazy loving thing. Where I can look back on the worst mistakes I've made in my life, and I've made some doozies, and you have too. so That's the that's great thing. We, we can't really be judging each other too much. I can look back at my worst mistakes. And God, even though he brings me to a place of repentance, even though God does love me, and as we talked about last week, you know, discipline is also a form of love, and he occasionally has to kick my tail. He has this beautiful way of taking my worst mistakes and turning them into my future victories. Some of the worst things I've done, he can then shape me into the type of person that can then help people who are making those same mistakes. Or maybe some of the worst things people have done to me, he can later shape me into a person that can help other people that are having that same kind of stuff done to them. God is beautiful that way. Remember your changes because it's those changes, and it's, it's, the, it's the failures and it's the defeats and it's the disappointments in life that shape us and make us stronger. But remember, that's not who we are. It may be who you were, but it's not who you are. Now you have been called to stand in a place of victory, in a place of faith, in a place of fulfillment, in a place of joy. There are so many, so many of you in the room that I know are sincere about your faith. You are sincere in terms of it, like you want to get close to God. You want to be the the kind of person that God has called you to be. And you refuse to let yourself experience joy because you see yourself only as that person that you were. And it's like you have this frame of of, uh, mind that says, I've got some sort of penance I have to pay for who I used to be. God doesn't have joy for me. That's maybe that's why I keep experiencing disappointment or whatever else. God, you know, God, yes, God saved me and that's enough. And, and, and if he needs me to be miserable for the rest of my life, then I'll still love him. And nobody wants to be around you. Get some joy. Get some joy. Exercise the joy that Christ has put inside of you. Now, I'm not saying you can never be sad. I'm sad plenty. I'm angry plenty. I'm, 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 I'm all of that stuff. I'm just saying there should be a, a general sense of, of joy. And I'm not I'm not talking stupid. I'm not, ta- I'm not talking there was a, there was a YouTube video that used to drive me crazy of some, I don't even I think he was from Texas, that figures. And and he was <laughs> some preacher down there that would do this laughing thing, like, I'm drunk in the spirit, and he would just act like a fool and and I, I was like, "Please, if I ever become that guy, please put a bullet to my head." That is horrible. I hate that guy. And and and, and God loves him, but I can't stand looking at him. And and so that is just horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm like, we don't have to act like idiots. That's not the kind of joy I'm talking about. I'm talking, the Bible says there's a peace that passes understanding that you can feel even in the worst of times. There's a hope that we're called to. So it's such a great hope. We named our church after it. It's a living hope that, that we can experience in our lives, even in the most hopeless of situations. We don't have to trudge through life and expect that God is just going to constantly keep his thumb pressing down on us and keep us you know, that's not the God we serve. We serve a God that wants you to stand in a place of hope and joy and victory and power. And if you're not experiencing that in your life, shake those chains off. Shake them off. You don't need them anymore. So many of you, I, 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 I have talked to so many people in our church and other churches I've been a part of, where, where it's like um, you, you, you challenge somebody to... Kind of stretch in their faith a little bit. And, and it's like, ah, oh, I, I, I could never do that. That's, that's, that's not me. I'm just, I struggle too much in my faith. And, and are you kidding me? I'm the pastor. And I struggle in my faith. We all struggle in our faith. It's a constant struggle. Why? Because we're human and God's perfect. And we're all trying to be that and we can't do it. And it's frustrating, just like Paul wrote about, but praise God, there's therefore now no condemnation. There's no condemnation. And so take your jacked up self, your can't ever do anything right self and put yourself in God's hands and allow him to do the thing that he wants to do through you. It's not up to you anyway. If it was up to you, you could have been your own God, but you can't. Take yourself. Do you guys really think that people around here, you know, that you look at maybe as the spiritual leaders of this church, the, the pastor, the youth pastor, the, the, you know, the elders or whoever else, you know, in leadership around here, do you really think that we're in these positions because we've somehow got it more together than you guys have got it? No, we're all messed up. We all still sin. We all wish we were further along down the road than we are, but we take our messed up selves and we place them in, uh, them in God's hand, and God is able, I believe there's actually a lot of scripture that talks about this. God is able to take our weakness and turn it into his strength. That's the kind of God we all want to serve anyway, isn't it? If you were, like, if, if you really thought that you were trying to be some model of perfect people, that you wouldn't want to join that church. You wouldn't want to be a part of that, those people. Really? to just be constantly feel like, oh, I never measure up, I never measure up. I'm telling you, you can so easily measure up to us. It's not hard at all. <laughs> but we're not, the, we're not the standard. God's the standard. We're not the standard. All we, all we are is broken people putting ourselves in, into the hands of a healing God who can then take us and empower us to do the things that he wants to do that will bring him the most glory. It's not about us. It's all about him. And we can all do that. Quit telling me you can't. You can. You can because you serve a God who can. Remember your chains, but remember they're gone. They're gone. Some of you guys have been holding back and convincing yourself that you can never be that guy, that gal. God has so much more for you than than you realize. So much more. Step out of those chains and step into the freedom that has been given to you already. Step into that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And your word is so good to us and you're so good to us. I thank you that as hard as it is for me to see me the way you see me, I thank you that you do see me that way. Um. God, would you help me to see myself better through your eyes? Would you help all of us to do that? I God, I wish I wish I could stand before you as perfect. I I wish I could come to you and say, I cleaned myself up real good for you, and and um you'll be pleased with me now. But I, you know me, and I would just be lying if I said that, God, and Thank you for accepting all of us the way we are. God, we do want to live lives worthy of your sacrifice. And so I also thank you that as we do get closer to you and we spend more time in relationship with you, we begin to mirror you a little bit more. We begin to be able to kind of think uh, about life in in a way that you would think about it. We begin to um, just be closer to you. Your holiness begins to rub off on us a little bit more. And while we'll never be perfect in this life, um, just thank you. Thank you so much that you take our weakness and you turn it into your strength. God, I, I don't want to minimize anybody's pain. I'm sure there are people in this room that have been through um, far more painful situations and made far more painful mistakes than, than, than maybe I could imagine. Um, but God, you're a big God. You're a powerful God. And there's no lock, and there's no chain so big that you can't break it. So God, just help us to continually put our lives in your hands and trust you that you have the best in store for us. Help us to leave our places of weakness and doubt and shame and guilt and bondage and step into the freedom that you have for us and step into the power that you have for us. Help us to leave all that behind. God, help us to be the kind of people that will help other people leave that behind help us to be encouraging people that that would point people to you. you. So God, use us in whatever way brings you the most glory. And you're a big God and you deserve lots of glory. So I'm going to trust that means you're capable of doing some big things through our lives. And so God, we ask for that. We ask for that. Do God-sized things in our lives. Do God-sized things in our church. God, if there are people in this room that aren't in a relationship with you, that are skeptical or whatever, God, I pray that you would, uh, right now as they seek you, that you would do God-sized transformation in them right now. We're so thankful for you. We love you. Thank you for this freedom. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.